if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. Hour number two is underway at eight minutes past ten o'clock. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday, the 30th morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2020. You know what Tuesday means. It means Kersenow Day. It's a great day whenever we have Peter Kersenow on the line. Peter, of course, is a Cleveland attorney, a best-selling author, the host of the Kersenow Report, and yes, a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. Fresh off of his appearance on the low-rated Fox and Friends program this morning, Peter, good to have you here on A Better Program. How are you? Days until the NFL season begins for the Browns, uh, and thank goodness 2020 is half over with. If uh, the NFL season starts and there's any hint of kneeling, the NFL season is over, in my estimation, the day it starts. And I think a lot of people share that. So um, just a word to Goodell and everybody else out there. You're Americans first. You are football players. Who knows what level that comes in, 14 or 15. Enjoy football but enjoy the United States of America and the freedoms it affords much more. Pete, um, let's do that. Uh, but first, let me do this. I was kind of joking when I said you were on Fox and Friends this morning, low-rated, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, I watch it every morning, and I listen to Hugh Hewitt, and, uh, and, and I saw you come on there. I said, oh, Pete's on this morning talking to Steve Ducey, and that's great. And I noticed they didn't make you mask up for your appearance in a private <laughs> studio in Cleveland, Ohio. But I... But I I bring that up, Pete, to say that I, I'm getting a little bit frustrated here um, from a constitutional standpoint, from a Bill of Rights standpoint, at the number of people who are falling into this mask trap. Uh, Ducey, uh, um, uh, the girl, uh, uh, for crying out loud, um, the girl's name, uh, the, the, on, uh, Ainsley? Ducey and Brian. Ainsley Earhart, thank you. Uh, and even Kevin McCarthy, uh, Leader McCarthy, they were all on there today telling everybody, wear masks, wear masks, wear masks. They're all essentially advocating for masks. And they, in fact, Ducey asked McCarthy twice to declare that Trump should wear a mask. Pete, from, again, a constitutional and a Bill of Rights perspective here, as well as the fact that there is no settled science whatsoever regarding the efficacy of masks, how well they actually work in the, in the prevention of spread of, of disease that is present, let alone... People are asymptomatic. The jury is still out on all of those things. Where are you on this new movement, even among some conservatives, to say, you better mask up. It's the patriotic thing to do. 
Yeah, as long as they're not giving directives, uh, I don't have a problem with it. Everyone has their own op- uh, opinion on these things. I know that a lot of businesses, for example, whenever you're in a common common area or in a meeting room, they advise you to wear masks. I think a lot of it's psychological. Uh, personally, you know, I don't wear a mask unless I'm asked to do so. If I'm asked to do so, I try to be nice to the other person. I understand that there are certain people who are not, you know, there are people who are overbearing. And some of them are politicians, and a lot of them are on the left when it comes to these things. Yeah. But, you know, I try to be a, a nice guy, in other words. If, if someone feels, whether right or wrong, uh, that they're a little bit nervous around someone who's not wearing a mask, I try to accommodate the person. But what I don't do is yield to these kind of stentorian dictates from people who say you must do certain a certain thing, regardless, as you indicated, of the science on this. Now, there is some science, apparently, who knows, because the science keeps changing, as you know, Bob, it's one of the most frustrating things about this. But there's some science that, you know, if you wear a mask, you're not protecting yourself, you may be protecting some others in the very near vicinity from some droplets you may be spewing. To what extent that actually decreases the transmission of coronavirus, I don't know. So I draw the line on anything that's mandatory. I don't like being told what to do. That's why we're in the United States of America as opposed to virtually any place else in the world. But, you know, as kind of a nice corporate, kind of a, I, I mean, a, a good citizen and a good friend, if someone wants me to mask up in certain situations, I'm not going to resist it. Yeah, it's it's the mandates that I have the most problem with, including the fact that in the state of Ohio, a Governor DeWine and former Health Director Acton ordered all employees to have to wear masks. And I told this story on the air yesterday, Pete, and just to kind of you know get a quick response from you on it. You know, my wife and I were were checking out of a grocery store, uh, getting our groceries on Saturday, and this poor woman was standing there, pretty much gasping. And I said, are you okay? And she said, yeah, I just can't breathe behind this thing. But it's mandated by the government and by the store because, of the, you know, the government's orders say employees must. And she said, I have asthma. And I said, oh, my God, that's got to be terrible. And I know she had something, or she said, that's why I use this. I'd never seen it before. It's like a pair of studio headphones, but instead of going over her head, they were around her neck. And instead of the cups being speakers, they were little fans. She said, I can't breathe at all unless I have this thing blowing air up underneath her mask. She has asthma. Her health is in danger by by limiting the amount of oxygen she can take in through this mask. But she has to wear it to keep her job. She has to wear it because the government says so. Uh, the employer, uh, I won't even name the grocery store here, but the employer has to make her do it because the government says so. This is the problem that I have, Pete. You know, each person's individual health situation should be up to themselves. And if you are a person who is afraid of catching the virus or any other germs, then you know what? You need to stay home or you need to mask up and don't ask other people, particularly when you have no earthly idea if they're sick, to mask up just on the off chance that maybe they are. Yeah, all good points, Bob. And and I would add to that that she is not alone. I mean, um, I bet you many of your listeners, because uh, I've had it, I got a sinus infection from wearing a mask, or at least I believe I got it because I never got get sinus infections. But if you wear it after a period of time, no matter how, you, you know, what, what kind of hygiene you practice, how much you clean it, you know, there's a possibility you may be breathing something in and boom, you know, you get a, high, you get a uh, uh, sinus infection or, as you indicated, asthma or some other kind of problem, especially in warm weather. Uh, people have difficulty, difficulty breathing, especially if you get to a certain age. So, yeah, I, I agree with all that stuff. Um, again, from my own personal perspective, if somebody on the other side, even if they are, I mean, look, I think most of us and most of the people in your listening audience especially, we are 
we're citizens. We're nice people. We're you know we, we like to accommodate our fellow man, and even if somebody has a an outsized fear, uh, you know we try to accommodate them. But it's one thing to accommodate individuals who may rightly or wrongly have a concern about coronavirus versus these universal mandates that come down from on high with very little, if any, empirical support behind them. Mm-hmm. Pete, uh, I'm going to pivot back to what you said at the beginning of the conversation when you did your countdown. Um, I'm done. Uh, story number one, the San Francisco 49ers have announced that they will fly a Black Lives Matter flag beneath the uh, uh, American flag. I think equal height with the California state flag when they start their season. Uh, obviously, that will be the first of many stadiums to do the same thing. The NBA, which is getting ready to do its restart down at Disney's Wide World of Sports, uh, has announced that they have allowed uh, and agreed to allow Black Lives Matter to be painted on the floor where the games will be played. Uh, Store number three, and this one is new. This one is just from this morning. Uh, The NBA has allowed players, when the season restarts, to replace the the name on the back of their jersey with a social justice slogan. I've watched my last NBA game, Pete, um, and until, unless and until my son makes the NFL five years from now, I think I've watched my last NFL game if they do these things. Pete, this is insane. They are glorifying Black Lives Matter, and this is where I know you're going to go because I heard you this morning, and we've talked repeated. Black Lives Matter is not the issue here. Actual black lives certainly matter. We all agree with that. Actual black lives matter. But they are, they are paying tribute and homage and assistance. Essentially now, they are helping to promote Black Lives Matter, the organization, which aims for the destruction of the American uh, uh, um, foundation. Literally, from the nuclear family all the way through uh, this wonderfully, uh, gloriously free capitalist republic that we have built for ourselves, they want to tear it to the ground, Pete. It's in their their mission statements on BlackLivesMatter.com. So... These sports are literally paying tribute to and helping to promote an organization that wants to end the country that is providing them with all of the opportunities that they have. It's it's beyond anything that I've ever seen. Go ahead. I think a lot of your listeners, I know because I talk to them, they email me, they text me, they even call me. Um, I think many of us, there's there's a new silent majority out here. The old silent majority of the late 60s, I think, has been replaced by an even bigger silent majority. I may be wrong about this, but I've been around for a while, and I see what the polling numbers are with respect to Biden leading Trump, and I discount them. I don't necessarily say we should ignore them, but I do think that the squeaky wheel is getting an inordinate amount of attention in Greece. Um, And the squeaky wheel here, the Black Lives Matter movement, the NBA, the NFL should really take a look at what they're saying. They should really take a hard look at what they're saying. They got a lot of money. They got a lot of people who, with spare time on their hands, to take a look at what these folks are actually saying, because it has very little to do with black lives. It's based on a false narrative. If it had anything to do with black lives, Bob, and again, this is being redundant, we've talked about this before, but for the last 40 years, on average, there have been 5,200, and it might be off a little bit, but about 5,000 black lives that have been ended through murder. 92% plus were at the hands of other blacks. 5,000, we're talking nearly a quarter million people. A quarter million people. And we didn't hear a peep 
until such time as we had a, I believe it was Darren Wilson was the, the first cop who spawned the Black Lives Matter movement. It was right after Ferguson. Okay, so last year, 2019, there were nine, depending upon how you want to read the, the data, 10 unarmed blacks killed by cops. Some of those cops, by the way, were black cops. Atlanta has a 58% black police force, for, by, by the way. But in any event, about nine or 10 unarmed blacks were killed. And when I say unarmed, remember, there's some nuance here. Unarmed doesn't necessarily mean not dangerous. Some of these folks were engaged in fighting with the cops. Some may have had a weapon nearby, like on the seat next to them. But there were nine to 10, okay, that pales in comparison to the thousands who are killed, but the Black Lives Matter movement was completely silent about that. One of the reasons for that is that this has very little to do with black lives. This has to do with a political agenda that has nothing to do with, uh, with uh, advancing black interests, because if that were the case, blacks would not be slaughtered the way they are in, in areas that are Democrat-controlled and uh, has been going on for a long time because of the various systems operated by Democrats. As I said on Fox & Friends, this is a giant subterfuge we're seeing to shield scrutiny um, or shield Democrats and progressives from the scrutiny of their systems. They keep talking about institutional racism and systemic racism. They are the ones operating these institutions and systems. In almost every major city where you have these issues occur, and there are, they're always in the same places, every single one of those cities from top to bottom are controlled by Democrats and progressives and have been for a long time. As I said on Fox and Friends, in Chicago, there hasn't been an elected Republican in sight for 90 years uninterrupted. Detroit is 65 years. Other major cities, it's the same, 50, 45, and they keep talking about systemic racism. They're operating the systems. They want to prevent you. They won't want any scrutiny of the fact that they're the ones who cause the misery in black lives. And then what do they want to do? Defund cops? Which I, is, this is, yeah, which is, this is which criminal is, negligence, Bob. It is indeed. And uh, so just real quick, yes or no, are you going to watch any of these NBA games if they have Black Lives Matter on the floor? In these, uh, Frankly, I, w- I wasn't planning on watching the NBA anyway because okay. they're they starting to bore me. And okay. when you start to engage in virtue signaling and, and as opposed to your core mission, I'm done. i got more important okay. things to do than, than I'm watch the same way. Kids. And, if they, and if they fly that Black Lives Matter flag over stadiums as well, uh, I'm, I'm done with the NFL too. Like I said, until and unless my kid gets there. Peter... We'll talk about defunding police and what it's going to do to the um, safety of citizens coming up next on the M1420 News. All right, it's 1025. Now we continue with Peter Kirsten. Now, Pete, um, I started my show this morning telling people that the the most important piece of advice I have ever given on the air um, is, is, is about to be given, and then I said, arm up. And the reason why is it appears as though we are all on our own now as far as protecting ourselves and our property. Police are being defunded from one end of this country to the other. Uh, I heard an impassioned plea and, and expression of rage from uh, a sheriff in, uh, in Los Angeles County uh, whose staff has been cut or whose uh, budget has been cut to the point where he's going to have to uh, uh, remove some 300 uh, staffers, most of whom would be deputies who would be on the roads. Uh, this is happening everywhere. And so you got two things. We're going to have a, a smaller number of police around the country. We're going to have increased response times. And even when we do get responses, we're going to have officers who are afraid to engage with anyone because either they're going to get beat up 
or they're going to get shot, or they're going to get charged if they don't uh, allow themselves to get beat up or charged. You talk about it as the Ferguson effect, but it's going to be wor- 10, 20, it's going to be exponentially worse than ever before because of the smaller police forces. Yesterday, or rather Sunday, in St. Louis, a viral video showed a couple, a couple of attorneys, well-to-do, standing in front of their million-dollar home with guns, um, protecting their property after a rage mob broke through an iron gate into their into their private property community so that they could get to the mayor's house and they saw that they were armed so they went inside and got their own legally purchased arms for self-defense and stood there and guarded their property in response pete the district attorney in uh st louis is investigating not the mob that damaged and broke through the gate and threatened them, but them for daring to hold weapons while a quote-unquote peaceful march went by. So, Pete, district attorneys don't have the people's backs. The cops won't be able to have people's backs. We are on our own for self-defense against violent crime in America now. So my advice remains, arm up and arm heavy. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, people should be armed. Um, I'm armed. Almost everybody I know is armed. And it's interesting to watch that video that you uh, spoke of of the two attorneys in St. Louis. Uh, the All the evidence shows that they are members in good standing of the Democratic Party, uh, have been donating heavily to Democrats for a long time. They are uh, apparently big Black Lives Matter supporters. And it was easy to do that from afar. You know, as I said on Fox and Friends, you have all these protesters, something like only one of six of the protesters during this entire conflagration we've had over the last month are actually black, and the rest are, who knows who they are. You know, as I said, you know, it's one thing to have these individuals who are protesting and engaging in virtue signaling and having all kinds of fun, and then they scramble back to their suburbs where they don't have to live with the consequences of the defunding of the police. But in those communities where the police are going to be defunded, it is going to be, this is ridiculous, to even have to say this is lunacy. We know what the consequences are going to be. We have seen it before, but it's going to be compounded this time. In the past, when we talked about a Ferguson effect, the Ferguson effect had very little to do with defunding cops and and fewer cops on the payroll or cops retiring. The Ferguson effect had to do with, as you just indicated, cops refraining from proactive policing because they didn't want to be the next Darren Wilson or Garrett Wolf or someone like that. Like that, and also because the Obama administration had bound their hands with consent decrees. But when you compound that with defunding the cops so that you don't have enough cops to engage in active policing, this is going to make the problem much worse, by, maybe by an order of magnitude, who knows, but it's going to be much worse. And a lot of people are going to get hurt. A lot of businesses are going to be hurt. Look at Minneapolis. Um, I had been saying right after uh, the Minneapolis riots, um, and when there was a rumor that the Minneapolis City Council was going to defund the cops, first of all, that was unimaginable um, that you would, uh, you know, defund the cops. That's like defunding airport security after 9/11, after that, uh, after that riot. But they were talking about defunding the cops. If you have even a shred of self-preservation instincts and also want to protect your your assets. You would think very, very hard about immediately putting up your property for sale before 
you know, the city council of Minneapolis did anything stupid to completely depress property values because who's going to want to buy any houses anywhere in the Minneapolis vicinity if you know that cops are going to be defunded? This this is just, I, it, it's almost unimaginable lunacy. I think well, no, it, it is. Let me, let me let me grab you there and stop you there. It is lunacy, not un, not almost. It is unimaginable lunacy. But I want to follow up on it on the flip side of the news here, Pete, and ask you: How long does this last? How long before sanity is restored? Think about that during the break here, and we'll talk about it because I don't think it should take very long to see murder and other violent crimes spiking in all of these cities that defunded their police force before they say we got to get more cops on the street because uh, people are dying at an extraordinary rate. So I want to find out how long that will take, and we'll discuss it with Kersenau right after this. AM 1420, the answer. Ten thirty-five. We continue now our conversation with Peter Kirsten, our member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. Kirsten now doing a lot of work this morning. He got up early to go on Fox and Friends and talk to Steve Ducey about this. Now we're going to talk about it here, Pete. Um, I played this morning also um, a nine one one call from Frederick Fredericksburg, Virginia, that I heard on Tucker a couple of nights ago of a woman in the car with her child who found herself in the wrong place at the wrong time, surrounded by what the media calls protesters, what I call violent anarchists, who are on her car, punching her windows, jumping up and down on the car. She called 911 begging for help. The uh, dispatcher said, uh, yeah, well, I'll try to let the officers know. And she said, what, are you kidding me? This is very serious. I'm in danger. They're on my car now. She said, look, this is a sanctioned event. This is a sanctioned event, the dispatcher said. So the best thing that you can do, and I'm paraphrasing her, is to call City Hall and register your complaint. Meanwhile, this woman is in a very desperate, dangerous situation because we have all seen people being dragged out of cars and beaten. We have seen car windows being smashed. She's got a little child there. Um, and so you know, the, the police are just not there. They're not there to help. They can't be. It's not their fault, but they can't be. That situation is going to play itself out over and over and over again. The situation involving the McCloskeys in St. Louis are going to, is going to play out over and over and over again. My question to you, Pete, is... How long will we we endure this lawless society where police officers are, are, are either unable because their funds have been cut and the manpower is down or unwilling to go and respond to calls that they know are going to result in them either being physically assaulted, killed, or charged? It's going to last as long as we allow it to, as long as we have taken leave of our senses and sanity. And by we, I mean to the extent the American people don't hold politicians accountable for the criminal negligence that they're engaging in that is causing, already to date, hundreds more people being killed in the United States than otherwise would be the case. Um, I don't mean to get involved in national politics because this is a matter of national and local politics also, mainly local, but setting the template is national politics. It is irrefutable that the Democratic Party is missing an action for a reason on this. They have funded, or their candidates to a large extent have been funded by far leftists 
who like this agenda because they want to soak, as bizarre as this sounds, you know, it's not a conspiracy theory. They're sowing chaos for a reason. It helps them electorally, at least that's their perception. Thus far, it's worked. They're on the ascendancy, and too many weak-spined politicians have failed to nip this in the bud when you have to. History shows, just in the United States, history shows that whenever you have this kind of, frankly, insurrection, but whenever you have this type of public misconduct, it's best to immediately nip it in the bud. Meet force with force. Yes, there's nothing wrong with meeting force with force. It's justifiable use of force. And stop it before it spreads and more people get hurt. The first obligation of government is to secure the persons and property of the citizenry. That's why we are paying taxes. A lot of these folks out here protesting, you can tell they don't have a job, they're not paying any taxes, and yet they are being protected, and tax-paying citizens are not being protected. It's a travesty to have, for example, the Corbos have to defend themselves. I'm glad they did. I think it put the fear of God into a lot of folks, but we're going to have to see more and more of that because our elected representatives are failing in their principal obligation as elected officials. And you said, how long is it going to last? As long as we permit it to last. And I will say this, if Donald Trump needs to step up a little bit more right now. And I get it. Most of this is, and I will tell you, you know, as a, as a constitutional lawyer, um, you know, a, a, a federalist, believer in federalism, it is mainly a local and state function. No ifs, ands, or buts about this. But the bully pulpit is extremely important, and also he has certain um, other resources available to him as a Justice Department, but the bully pulpit is enormously important, and he needs to do more than random tweets here and there. And I'm not trying to criticize him, you know. Uh, no, nonetheless, just say it, I would, Pete, because I, I agree. I would, he, hope, he, I would hope he would step up a, uh, a lot more, and this is going to be a law-and-order election. That's what this is going to be. It's going to be less about the economy. It'll have something to do with pandemic. I mean, there's a lot of uh, factors at play here. But right now, this is law and order. In other words, are you on the side of the United States of America, its constitution, the manner in which the, the country is currently constituted, and peace and prosperity? Are you on the side of abject lawlessness and chaos? And the vast majority of people are saying, I'm for the latter. I'm for the former. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. I want to be secure. I want my kids to be secure. I want my property to be secure. I've been working all my life to make sure I have the things that I've got and my kids are taking care of. And now some politician comes in and he's spending all this time on stuff that we don't care about, things we didn't elect them to do, and yet they're failing in their principal function. If we're not angry about this, nothing's going to make us angry. If we're not going to take care of this matter, then the United States is presently constituted. I don't mean to be histrionic about it, but it's going to be somewhere in the rearview mirror. This is not the United States of America we grew up in. Did the United States of America we grew up in have faults? Absolutely. You know, the, the problem with many of these woke people is they think that great means perfect. Wrong. This No country will ever be perfect, but this is the greatest country in the history of civilization, and it's that way for a reason, and one of the reasons is we believe in the rule of law and the preservation of law and order. Our elected officials elected to do just this, to protect us in our property and lives, have failed us miserably and from top to bottom. There has to be a reordering. They better get their priorities straight. We have to hold them accountable, and in November, we have to send a big-time message. Pete, um, this is kind of a dovetail on that question about how long this will last. Um, you say as long as we allow it to. Um, 
Will there come a point when Black Lives Matter um, calls for a return of the police? And what I mean by that is we already know that black people in high crime areas in most of America's urban centers um, are always calling for more police because they are always the ones most victimized uh, of all of the rest of the population demographics. Um, they are victimized by people in their own race, of their own race, and they're victimized by people in their own neighborhoods. And that's why they're begging for more patrol cars, because they know that they're in serious trouble. When the police forces are cut down to, due to the defunding going on in so many of these cities, um, the number of black victims is going to rise. And, and, and we're talking about violent crimes, assaults and rapes and homicides. It's already extraordinarily high, even with fully staffed police forces. As you know, 13% of the population, which is the African-American population, commit over 50% of the murders or the homicides. Um, and in fact, you can probably drop that to about 6%, because 6.5%, because most of those doing it are male. Um, and so pe- black people are already calling for more police in their neighborhoods. Once they're cut back, the numbers of victims is going to go up even higher. Will there come a time, do you think, Peter Kersenow, when when black leaders and black, uh, black elected officials and, yes, Black Lives Matter organizers say maybe it wasn't the best thing because now the homicide rate has tripled and, and the more and more black people are dying? No, black Lives Matter won't because it has very little to do with black lives, as I indicated before. They weren't concerned about five, six, seven thousand black lives ending every year. It wasn't until such time as they're able to attach a political agenda to it. That's what that's about. As far as black officials are concerned, they're not going to do anything until pressured to do so, and I think they will after being pressured to do so. But remember this, that the vast majority of these officials are in completely democratic-held strongholds. To acknowledge that there's a problem is to acknowledge their own abject failure. So I think there's going to be a considerable amount of resistance to doing so. And don't discount the overarching issue, as I mean, you didn't discount it, you just indicated that this is during this election cycle. When big, the orange man bad is looming out there, they will not concede anything until such time as they've secured his defeat. They're going to continue to call him racist. They're going to blame him for everything out there. And they're not going to concede that we need cops or anything like that until such time as he's defeated. They can install a Democrat, which is their overarching agenda here. As bad as it sounds to say that, there's no other conclusion you can come to other than that. You can't witness the insanity that's transpiring right now and come to any other conclusion than politics trumps the safety of the constituencies of all of these elected officials. Otherwise, they'd be doing something. They'd be hollering like crazy, not just calling, they wouldn't be calling for defunding. They'd say, get us hundreds more cops to protect our constituents. They're not doing it. They're not doing it at all. I say again, as I said on Fox and Friends, we have to remember who these politicians are. Take down their names. Every single one of them who's breathed uh, just a whisper of defunding cops, remember who they are. Hold them accountable in any way that you can, whether it's campaign donations, you know, donating to their opponents, with publicizing them, whatever is available to you, hold them responsible for their criminal negligence. And I say criminal negligence because we can draw a straight line to their failure to discharge their principal obligations to people dying. And we have to yeah. hold these bums accountable. This is, this is ridiculous what they're doing. It's sheer madness, and we can't have this any longer in this country. 
Peter, last thing before you go. Um, do you recognize this quote? Tell me whether or not you know who said it. I shall never fight in the armed forces with a Negro by my side. Rather, I should die a thousand times and see old glory trampled in the dirt, never to rise again, than to see this beloved land of ours become degraded by race mongrels, a throwback to the blackest specimen from the wilds. End quote. Yeah, I've heard that quote before, and, and recently, in fact, and I can't remember if it was Woodrow Wilson, but it was a Democrat. Nope. It was somebody like, I, I just cannot remember who it was. Well, I'll tell you who it was, Peter, and the reason, I'll tell, uh, the reason I'm asking you, it, it was Robert Byrd. Okay. It was Robert Sheets Byrd, former exalted Cyclops in the KKK, in a letter to Senator Theodore Bilbo from Mississippi. Um, Pete, Robert Byrd's statue stands proudly in Washington, D.C., and another one in West Virginia. Robert Byrd uh, is, is and was one of the most vile racist, uh, racists, leading one of the most vile racist organizations in all of human history, the Ku Klux Klan. His statue stands while they drag down statues of Abraham Lincoln. In Wisconsin, they want a Lincoln statue gone because while he was anti-slavery, he wasn't pro-black. Direct statement from the student organization pushing for that. They're taking down Grant. They're taking down Washington. They're coming for Jackson and Jefferson and Francis Scott Key and Christopher Columbus. And, and this is to say nothing, of course, of the Confederacy leaders that started this whole thing. But Robert Byrd is untouchable. Do you believe that the statue of Robert Exalted Cyclops of the KKK uh, bird would still be standing if he had been a Republican? Yeah, and again, the question answers itself. Keep in mind also, the media is going to try to obfuscate it because they take sides in these things, and they're clearly, and, and their mission right now is to defeat Donald Trump. Biden was. Very good friends with Robert Byrd. Got along with, well with him. You know, co-authored legislation with the guy. But you're not allowed to say those things, just as you're not allowed to point out that all these problems are occurring in exclusively held Democratic precincts, every single one of them. In addition to that, so many people have had uh, have no idea of the whitewashing of the Democratic Party and its legacy. Its legacy is bad right now, but going all the way back to pre-Civil War days, it is it is unrefutably the party of slavery, the party that opposed the 13th Amendment, uh, you know, eradicating slavery. They opposed the Emancipation Proclamation, the 14th Amendment guaranteeing equal protection, the 15th Amendment guaranteeing voting rights, all of Teddy Roosevelt's anti-lynching legislation, the 1957 Civil Rights Act, the 64 Civil Rights Act, the 65 Voting Rights Act, the 68 Fair Housing Act, all of the correlative legislation. Orville Faubus, Lester Maddox, and George Wallace were all Democrats, not Republicans. It's the Democratic Party, the party of slavery, the party that of Jim Crow, the party that had the Ku Klux Klan as its military wing. These are all verifiable facts that are scrubbed from your curriculum in your woke schools, yet the Democratic Party is supposedly the, the, the party that is the savior of blacks. How that happened, the greatest historical jiu-jitsu of all, all time, I have no idea. Just to, to put a bow on what you just said, see if you recognize this quote. Every book has been rewritten. Every picture has been repainted. Every statue and street and Sounds building like has been renamed. Every date has been altered. History has stopped. 
And yes, Peter Kersenow, you nailed it. That was 1984, George Orwell. And that's exactly what you just described in the woke history books of today. They're going to erase all of the real history that makes their party look evil as it as evil as it was and try to flip it. Ignorance is strength. Slavery is freedom. We know the rest of the Orwell lines as well. Peter Kersenow, thank you, my friend. God bless you. Thank you, Bob. Bye-bye. 10.50. We're coming up uh, on our final break here. We'll come back and get a couple of calls before the top of the hour. AM 1420. The answer. All right, it's 10.55. We've got time for probably two or three good calls here before the top of the hour, and we turn it over to Mike Gallagher. Stay there then for Prager and for uh, Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Stay there for uh, Jay Secular Live and, of course, for the great sage Larry Elder. Uh, let's go to um, Grafton. Ron, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hello, Ron. Hey, I love your show, Bob. Thank you. Just keep up the good work. Uh, couple, I'll, I'll be as quick as I can without fumbling around here. BLM has been hijacked. We all know that because they've never disavowed any of the violence. So you can refer to them as Antifa. The other thing I have is uh, the best place for all these retired police officers. Where do you think they're going to go to? They're going to go to private security where they don't have handcuffs on them. The other thing is this McCloskey thing. More credit to them. I used to think that the AR-15 was overkill and there was no need to have one. Had he not had that weapon, I mean, that was foreboding. Totally. Totally (laughs) Absolutely. And without that weapon, I don't know whether we had the better results. So with that, that, Ron, God bless you. Thank you for the call. That, That is so important. So important, so important. How many times have you heard the anti-Second Amendment gun uh, um, gun uh, control nut jobs <clears throat> saying there's never a need for an AR-15? What do you use that for? Hunting? Uh, you know, if you if you need a, a weapon for home protection, you certainly don't need an AR-15. That's an assault rifle. That is to kill large amounts of people. Uh, and if you need that, then you're just obviously a bad shot. So if you don't have your little six-shooter, anything more than that, you don't need. That's overkill. What if you are defending yourself against a mob? And we have seen mobs attack private businesses and private homes. We have seen it numerous times. We've seen home invaders, six, seven, eight, nine strong coming into a home. My God, one of the most horrific crimes that I can even describe to you happened in Tennessee about 10 years ago in which a mob of around six or seven uh, uh, individuals uh, came in. And here's the thing. I'm, 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 I'm as guilty as everybody else. I'm afraid to say they're racist because of how it's going to sound. But it is what it is. Six or seven black uh, thugs broke into a home and raped over the course of hours and tortured a white couple over the course of a, a period of literally hours. I think they stayed there until the next day before they tried to get rid of the bodies. But they kept them alive and tortured and raped the, the, the woman over and over and over again. And again, you tell me just one single handgun is going to stop that massive mob that bum-rushed and, and, and came through that door? So mobs of people have attacked individuals, homes, and businesses many times. You're telling me that they shouldn't have a weapon that is capable of fending off that kind or at least being a deterrent to fend off that kind of a mob? There were there were tons of people who broke through that gate Sunday in St. Louis. And I think the caller, Ron and Grafton, is right. Had that attorney, Mr. McCloskey, standing on the front step of his property, not had that AR-15-looking weapon there, they may have come for him. 
But they know that they're in some serious trouble if they come for uh, come for somebody wielding one of those. That's what it's about. Self-defense. Great call, Ron. Thank you. Ann in Cleveland. Hi, Ann. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hello. Hi, Ann. Uh, this is along the lines of these arbitrary decisions on what to close and how to control population and all that sort of thing. Uh-huh. Giant Eagle and Walmart now have it sort set up. They've got barriers. You can only go in one door, and you can only go out one door. Yes. Um, I think that's just plain stupid. This is a virus. Um, it's going to float through the air. What good is this going to do? And everybody pretty much is wearing a mask. So what's I the think, problem? I think, uh, I think that's part of the mandate by the state. That's part of the orders. They have to have separate entrances and exits. Uh, same things at Home Depot and many other places. And I think... The thinking is that they don't want people walking by one another. As some people are coming in, others are going out. And whether they're masked or not, uh, they're going to be literally within a foot of one another. So they really want them not crossing past one another. Now, what makes it ignorant is the fact that in the aisles, people are going to walk right next to one another anyway, even if you pass somebody up. So I get your call. Thanks for the call, uh, Ann. I get your point. But um, they've they've got an excuse and an answer for everything, no matter how uh, senseless it might be. Stay here. Mike Gallagher is next. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. Bye-bye.